amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Just eat it. Just eat it. Just eat it. KCAA Loma Linda, 1050 AM, K292FQ Riverside, and K293CF Moreno Valley. NBC News Radio, I'm Matt Mattinson. The huge snowstorm in Colorado is forcing the cancellation of more than 700 flights today at Denver International Airport. More than 1,000 are already canceled for tomorrow. Spokeswoman Emily Williams says year-round training for DIA's ground crews is in full effect this weekend. We have actually 200 pieces of equipment that is dedicated just to treating and clearing our six runways. And we've got one of the best runway clearing teams in the country. They can actually clear a runway in about 15 minutes, which is really fast. Denver is bracing for up to three feet of snow by early Monday. The governor of Colorado called the National Guard and residents are being advised to stay off the roads. Start checking those bank accounts now, Brian Shook explains. Some are saying they just received their stimulus check. The first wave of payments is being deposited this weekend, with 85% of the nation getting a full $1,400. The money can also come by mail, either as a check or debit card, and will continue being sent out over the next several weeks weeks. I'm Brian Shook. The price of Bitcoin has surpassed $60,000. That's more than double the closing price at the end of last year. The cryptocurrency is quickly becoming widely used and accepted by big companies from Square and PayPal to Visa and MasterCard. Tesla said in February that it owns $1.5 billion worth of Bitcoin. A police officer is being charged with the murder of a 33-year-old London woman in a case that is sending waves of shock and anger throughout the UK. The body of Sarah Everard was found Wednesday. She had last been seen walking on a South London street just after 9.30 p.m. on March 3rd. Chris Harrison's absence from The Bachelor franchise will continue with the upcoming season of The Bachelorette. Harrison decided to step away after publicly defending racially insensitive behavior by one of the contestants. You're listening to the latest from NBC News Radio. Be safe. Be ADT safe. ADT alarms will help you make your world a better place. Be baby safe. Be home safe. Be business safe. So protect yourself with ADT and Safe Streets, your local authorized provider. And now, through the end of next month, Safe Streets ADT has a special plan to help you accomplish your safety with all free equipment and low cost monthly fees. From door and motion sensors to glass shadow alarms, cameras, along with alarms that just 
don't fail. ADT can help you be safe all through the day and all through the night. Go to BADTSafe.com. That's BADTSafe.com and click on the special button with the code ADT Radio and save. Or text Gabriel Varner at 330-999-0279 to get all your free ADT equipment with low-cost monthly monitoring. Do it now because there's no better time to be safe with ADT. That's BADTSafe.com. It's that time again. Time to change your brush or time to change the batteries in your smoke alarm? Well, yes, but it's also time to change the time on your clocks, that is. This weekend, Daylight Savings Time begins on Saturday night or early Sunday morning at 2 a.m. Our clocks move ahead one hour. So make sure you set your clocks so that you don't oversleep and miss that important appointment in the morning. It's daylight savings time, and remember to take care of your toothbrush and smoke alarm, too. This message brought to you by your favorite radio station, the one you're listening to right now, of course. The Tri-City Shopping Center in Redlands is home to some of the best bargain shopping in the region. Cityware, Style for Less, and Dollar Tree to name just a few. Friendly shop owners and staff are waiting for you to stop in for the many specials and bargains they're excited to share. The Tri-City Shopping Center is located just off I-10 between Alabama and the Tennessee exits in Redlands. Make it your home for all your shopping needs and you'll know why the Tri-City Center is called the Mall with a Heart. Want a little less talk and a little more classic country? Now you can listen to KC Country Junction and your favorite country legends all day long at our new 24-hour-a-day digital streaming station. Join the club. Log on to kccountryallday.club. It's the KC Country Club where you can listen in the morning, afternoon, evening, or late night. Listen to kccountryjunction.com and kccountryallday.club. It's your choice, online or on the air. Overnights at KCAA 1050 AM, 106.5 and 102.3 FM. Or all day long on kccountryallday.club. The following program on KCAA is pre-recorded. Portions of the day's programming are reproduced by means of electrical transcriptions or tape recording. To the Batmobile. Are you watching Star Trek? We would be honored if you would join us. Please proceed with extreme caution. Now, Geek Universe, the weekly show on sci-fi and superheroes, fantasy and horror, and much more. Importing preferences and calibrating virtual environments. I bet my Wookiee. Are you insane? Here he is, the only talk show host who doesn't believe in the no-win scenario, your host for Geek Universe, Jim Yelton. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and children of all ages, welcome to another edition of Geek Universe. I am your host, Jim Yelton, and we are coming to you live on tape once again from Geek Headquarters, otherwise known as the Mysterious District 13 in Pan Am. As we are talking Hunger Games this week on Geek Universe, we're going to be bringing you portions of our live show that we did. It's actually our most recent live show from the St. Louis Science Center. 
during one of their first Friday events where it was all things Hunger Games. And we were lucky enough to have Dr. Dan Yesbeck come back and join us to talk about the movie versions compared to the book versions of the Hunger Games. But before we do that, what else is going on around the Geek Universe? Probably the biggest news this week was that the directors of the Han Solo movie, Phil Lord and Chris Miller... The geniuses behind the Lego movie, they were fired. It was amazing to a lot of us. It was kind of one of those things that came out of left field and everybody on both sides cited creative differences, but it's just one of those things. These guys went through pre-production. They've been shooting since January or February, and uh, they only had a few more weeks of shooting before they took a break and kind of assessed things, and then they were going to go back and do some reshoots later this year to kind of finish things up, and it's just out of nowhere, they were fired by Kathleen Kennedy and Lucasfilm, so it kind of makes you wonder what direction were they going in with this movie that Lucasfilm finally had to kind of slam on the brakes and say, we need to make a change here, and I'm sure at some point the story's going to come out, both sides are probably going to talk at some point and we'll get a a clearer picture of what's going on but right now what we do know is lord and miller are out and very quickly kathleen kennedy uh went through her rolodex and called ron howard and ron howard is now going to finish up the directing of the han solo movie for next year it wasn't working for some reason and now we've got ron howard in the director's chair and we'll see what happens that was probably the biggest thing going on in the geek universe this week like i said we are talking hunger games this week on geek universe and let's just go ahead and jump right into it this is the hunger games show that we recorded live at the st louis science center during our Uh, most recent appearance for First Fridays there at the Science Center. And we were joined once again by Dr. Dan Yesbeck from St. Louis Community College to talk all things Hunger Games, movies, and the books. When Jenny asked what we wanted to do tonight and what kind of the theme of the show was going to be, the one thing that I kept coming back to was as much of a phenomenon as the books were. It was still are. And still are. The one thing I wanted to talk about was the books versus the movies because to me, in a way, the movies are almost a little bit better than the books, I think. Don't know if we're going to hear any feedback from the audience about that, but I wanted to talk Everyone's about... Everyone's been checked for weapons, right? We don't <laughs> have to worry. Okay. I didn't see anybody walk in with any bows or arrows or anything, okay. so so I think we're good. Did you come to it book first or movie first? Uh, let's see. Let me think. Uh, I actually came to it book first, and I came to it the best way book first uh, was my wife's book first. So she got a hold of the first book and started reading it and didn't talk to me for several days, which is not unusual at all. And yet I sort of wandered around going, this must be... And when that when that happens, I know it's a book that I will soon be reading and that we, we share the same taste and I knew that it would be right and I was hoping that it would be a book I'd enjoy reading uh, and as soon as she put it down she walked over to me and said hi I haven't talked to you and uh, you, here's why and I started right into it and, and ripped right through it in, in I think a day and a half the whole, the whole first book which uh, I, I just loved it and I thought it was such a wonderful idea and I loved it for all kinds of reasons but mostly because it reminded me of so many things that had gone before they've been sort of remixed and, and played with in new and fun ways so she didn't care about any of that she just liked the book but you, still a lot of fun did you get it when the first one came out or yes, was it when the yes, series had, yes. had already so been what, out where you when the, when a late comer? book appeared, I'm not sure. Someone probably recommended it to her, one of her friends, and all, all of her friends have kids about the same age as our kids, and I think they were probably preview reading it, as parents do secretly, to make sure that everything that's cool is also safe. And uh, I think she had been pre, uh, her friend had been preview reading it for her daughter, and then uh, had uh, that copy never got to the daughter. It went around all her friends instead, and then it came to me, so the poor daughter probably still hasn't read the book. <laughs> 
Well, and the reason I ask is because there are some parallels to this series and something that came before it with I, Harry I, Potter. Uh, and I was a latecomer to Harry Potter, uh-huh. much the same way as... I will didn't find you to get your letter on. No, no, no. Okay. In fact, the, the Harry Potter story is really funny because I started reading it when my first daughter was born because my mom <laughs> came to the hospital and she had the first book. Really? She had just started reading it. And so my wife and I would hand it back to each other in the hospital the week that we were mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. Uh, while she was recovering. We finished the first book. We got home, finished the second book. This was when uh, the fourth book had come out in mm-hmm. hardcover. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, wow. okay, we, so we had four books to get through mm-hmm. and we burned through those. Mm-hmm. And then we were like, and then they got long. What yeah. now? <laughs> like we have to wait a year for the next book to come out. Hunger Games was kind of like that for me where again, because I was a latecomer to it, it was easy for me to burn through them all mm-hmm. and then binge watch movies mm-hmm. because my wife and my oldest daughter were fans mm-hmm. and they they liked it and it was kind of like with Harry Potter where I was like oh it's a kids book with this I was like oh it's like one of those like teenage girl books like that's that's <laughs> what I thought it was did you have any preconceived notions going into it or you just know, because it, your wife said right. you have to read this well it, it had always been marketed as a teen YA book all so that didn't surprise me and I love reading YA books because I read them quickly and makes me feel smart so that never bothers me whatsoever <laughs> and I also I mean a lot of the stuff I teach is tied to children's literature and children's culture so I always enjoy doing it that way uh, but uh, I, I'm not sure my wife cared that it was a teen book I think she was just enjoying it for the sake of the great story and she's very finicky we we didn't she has never come to Harry Potter she likes it fine but she just hasn't had a chance to sit down with all the books I came to Harry Potter late myself so the same kind of idea the thing that amazed me uh, the first thing I when I was reading it and I know many people will understand this because the debate goes on and on and on is it felt an awful lot like uh, a certain Japanese movie of the same same concept that was even more dark and difficult and vicious and cruel uh, and I thought what a great way to make to make that mainstream to take this idea of of what was Battle Royal and make it mainstream and I had been very involved in what was going on in Japanese media and teen culture at the time so I kept reading it thinking boy someone in a way kind of whitewashed this but that's okay because I'm not sad reading it anymore and that's or watching it anymore and that's a very good thing do I think she ripped some of it off yeah but you know that's what art is you borrow you appropriate you change you mix things around and she made it her own I mean uh, Panem is 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 certainly not what those movies are about and the, the the tributes and the reapings are all very very different so I think she really built on something new and new and fun and that's what I really loved about it I did not come to the other books as quickly uh, it took me a much longer time to get to the other two do you guys all in the audience know about Battle Royal okay okay is there anyone here who's brave enough to say that? raise your hand if you don't know what Battle Royal is okay okay all right that's about a third, a third. yeah okay so it's basically I don't want to say younger kids because there there are some they're, young kids in the first Hunger Games mostly, yeah. but it's mostly teenagers group it's, of Japanese school children that are mm-hmm. placed on an island and told you have to kill each other last man standing gets to leave and survive right. basically and, and once again guess what it's the government right same kind of and it's yeah. it's the Hunger Games but much brutal it's like the yeah. NC17 Hunger That's Games exactly. uh, Lord Lord of the Flies with like scoreboards yeah yeah um, yeah and it's part of this cycle of Japanese media that came out that's based largely in video games and largely in sort of cultural clashes and and problems that are going on in that country, there was uh, suicide suicide club versus and 
Battle Royal were the three that got over here and shocked the world that the Japanese were making these action films that were so incredibly brutal toward children. Uh, all, all three of them, and they're not. They're, none of them are fun watches. Versus is probably the most fun because it's zombies and ninjas and wizards and, and people who turn into animals, and it's kind of like a video game gone nuts. But Battle Royal really leaves you. I mean, you, you really have this pit in your chest because it's so depressing and so angry and so terrible. And there's, I think, some of that same tone certainly filters into these stories. But these stories also have. I mean, they believe democracy can be saved. Well, and <laughs> they that's believe people. They believe freedom is important. They believe in resistance. Right. That's why I asked if any of the audience was familiar. And, and I was glad you brought up the point that you knew of that before you got into Hunger Games because that's the reason why I didn't read Hunger Games right off the bat right. was I felt like I knew Battle Royal and this was the sanitized, right. girly version of Battle Royal right. and I didn't like that for a number of reasons. And fans are never picky, right? They're not going <laughs> to be like, oh no, I saw it first. They never they never do that. That's not what but Hunger Games very much falls into a trend that was going on in the publishing industry where there was a lot of dystopian young adult fiction coming out and to me i just find it interesting that this was the one that hit Mm -hmm. what is it that you think made the hunger games different oh that's so easy (laughs) you got it it's really simple there are no vampires in this There, there there are no witches amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals from courses to help you attain or retain certification to individualized coaching services to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen management concepts optimizes your professional development online in person individually or groups it's training that's measurably better learn more at managementconcepts.com that's managementconcepts.com there are no mermaids there's there's no secret uh con- supernatural conspiracy of any kind no werewolves either right uh and i think the thing that really made this one hit is that it, it had the same kind of idea there's this closed world this this very very problematic world with with political issues you have these heroes who are put upon who don't realize what's really going on there's lots of conspiracies lots of lots of rebellion but there's nothing supernatural to it at all i think that's what makes it that's what makes it and what it's done as you well know because we've got an example right here at the science center what it's done for children especially girls Girls and archery is absolutely incredible. It's about empowerment, just like Harry Potter, just like the Maze Runner, just like I don't know—is Twilight about empowerment? I'm not sure what. I don't know. No, no. Right. It's <laughs> it's about magic. It's about supernatural. It's sparkly but, but, vampires but, but, is what it's but, about. But this one has, yeah, that's true. This one has a really a real practical grassroots sort of labor-based proletarian feel to it that is not really in Harry Potter. Harry Potter is the intellectual fantasy, right? They're all really really smart, and they're all uh, except for Ron. But they're all just sort of. You know, they, they all they all mean well, um, but here this isn't so much about smart. It's about strength and it's about endurance and it's about it's about the inner strength. You're listening to Geek Universe as we talk all things Hunger Games this week on the show. I'm Jim Yelton. Our guest was Dr. Dan Yesbeck from the St. Louis Community College, and we are going to be back with more Hunger Games talk right after this. You wanted to be a teacher when you were little, but as you grew up, things changed. Teaching just didn't seem like the best option anymore. So you decided to become something else. But what would your 12-year-old self say? Interesting and innovative things are happening in teaching today. So it's time to put it back on your list. Don't try to convince yourself otherwise. You had it right the first time. Find out how you can make more at teach.org. Make more. Teach. Brought to you by Teach and the Ad Council. Hey, gang. If you're sitting in your car or at home or at work or any other place that you listen to Geek Universe every weekend, and you're enjoying the show, go support us on Patreon. There's a lot of cool rewards 
that are show specific, like our t-shirts and our coffee mugs. And we've got the treasure chest of awesome goodness that you can get full of geeky stuff like books and collectibles and games and toys and all sorts of cool stuff that will make you feel like a kid getting a happy meal again except this time it's even better there's better stuff in it you can even have a chance to be a convention correspondent and show producer at some of the higher levels where we're going to send you to comic-con or new york comic-con or c2e2 in chicago there's lots of cool stuff there's some stretch goals that we've got where we will be bringing you some really cool patreon exclusive programs like me re-watching all of the episodes of old shows movies we will have more guests joining us for those a lot of fun stuff that we have on deck for those of you who go to patreon and support the show go to patreon.com forward slash geek universe show check out the reward tiers pick one that's right for you and make sure that we can continue to bring you geek universe each and every week on this very radio station and it's the best way to let us know that you're enjoying the show we first opened about 10 years ago. We were, we were small, just a few of us, but it was exciting. I always dreamt of having my own business. It was kind of slow at first, but things started picking up. We had big plans, but in our wildest dreams, we never, never thought we'd have this much work. Yeah, with so many businesses caught off guard by the storm, Reed Waste Management has never been busier. What will become of your business after a disaster? Nearly two-thirds of businesses aren't prepared for an emergency, and 40% of businesses that experience a disaster never recover. Make an emergency plan now, before it's too late. For a free online tool that helps you develop an emergency plan to keep your business up and running should disaster strike, visit ready.gov forward slash business. Brought to you by the Federal Emergency Management Agency, the American Red Cross, and the Ad Council. Unexpected reactions to smart financial decisions brought to you by FeedThePig.org. Well, I finally did it. I improved my credit score. You're kidding, right? Uh, no. How are we supposed to be the bad boys of electrosynth pop if you're out there being responsible? The band is about to be discovered. This is our year. <laughs> yeah, you've been saying that for a while now. You think anyone in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was worried about their credit score? I never really thought that Of we were... course they weren't. Rock stars aren't supposed to think about that kind of stuff. We're supposed to think about how many guitars we've smashed, write aggressively sensitive power ballads, start questionable fashion trends, tragically break up and blame creative differences. All right, all right, just... I thought maybe it was time to take control of my finances, you know? Start using a budget. Get out of debt. Set some goals. A budget? Debt? Set some goals? Listen, I knew that we'd have our creative differences, but I was hoping they'd involve a little more scandal. When it comes to financial stability, don't get left behind. Get tools and tips for saving at feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. If you think the Kobayashi Maru isn't a Japanese steakhouse, you're in the right place. Geek Universe with your host, Jim Yelton. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Jim Yelton, and we're joined this week by Dr. Dan Yesbeck in some segments that we recorded at our last live show at the St. Louis Science Center talking about the Hunger Games. Let's get right back into it. <laughs> 
there's a lot of gray areas right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Yes. It seems yes. that it's bad guys and good guys. Yeah, but yeah. But <laughs> when you get into it, you start to realize mm-hmm. that there are no good guys and bad guys in this. You mm-hmm. there are people that you care about mm-hmm. and you don't want them to die uh, yes. through the process yes. of the story, but everybody is compromised in this in That's some way, is. shape, yeah. or form morally. And it's interesting what happens from a storytelling standpoint when you do that. When mm-hmm. when you kind of clear the board of that white hats and black hats mm-hmm. and say, okay, now you as a, a reader or you as a watcher of a movie have to decide for yourself what side are you on? Mm-hmm. What choices would you make if you were in this situation? Because they're not always the same choices that the quote-unquote heroes in the story make. That's right. No, I think you said it really, really well. And on uh, the, one of the things I love about it, and the thing I wasn't sure when they started making the movies how they're going to pull this off, and I'm not sure the movies did, but we'll see what you guys think, is uh, I have a friend who teaches uh, classes on war culture, and he always says the same thing. He says, this is, there's one rule to this class, is that there will always, both sides are guilty. There are always atrocities on both sides. There are always manipulations on both sides, always exploitations on both sides. And I think as the book builds, as the layers of um, manipulation and exploitation and abuse start ch- start revealing themselves both with the presidency and with the Mockingjay and Resistance, the book the books and the movies both they change they become less a story about actual war and more a story about media war and more a story about media manipulation which is i you want to ask why they hit because that is something that terrifies everyone right now we all feel like we're being manipulated or not told the truth there's all kinds of bizarre urban legends and conspiracy theories about where the truth is coming from and which channel and which broadcaster and which this and which that and i the just the movies especially with stanley tucci's part i mean if 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 that guy is your hero right we got problems right if that's the first person you see every morning right if he's on the today show right actually it might make the today show better but still the idea is the same <laughs> There's something really, really frightening about the way both sides are using information as a kind of weapon, and the heroes are all compromised. I think that's well said. Okay, before we go too much deeper into the woods, let me say this for people that are listening at home. We are about ready to get into some spoiler territory with (laughs) with the books and the movies, so if you want to come back after you've read them, this is archived, so you can find it on the internet. Go read the books, watch the movies, then come back and listen to the rest of the show. One of the things that amazes me about this is you and I share a little bit of background because we both teach screenwriting mm-hmm. and and storytelling. I am a big proponent when I teach beginners mm-hmm. to teach three-act structure because oh, I feel yeah. like you you need to have a foundation. You, you can't break rules unless you know what the rules are. Somebody in my class always raises their hand and say, well, what about Quentin Tarantino? He doesn't follow three-act structure. Well, you know what? You're not Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> Quentin Tarantino's a genius. He was a genius when he was 21 years old riding Reservoir Dogs at the video store he worked at. You can't play by those rules. You you need to learn how to walk before you can run and then you get on the bike and you start pedaling really fast. And then you can pop wheelies and do everything that you want. So three-act structure is... in my head now of Tarantino doing wheelies. Doing wheelies, yeah. <laughs> three-act structure for a, a beginning writer is a big deal to me. Mm-hmm. Suzanne Collins is far from a beginning writer when she sat down to, to write The Hunger Games. She had been a playwright. She had mm-hmm. wrote for television. Vision. She had done a lot, but the fact that she uses three-act structure as a base, and she does something that I teach my students all the time, which is, yes, three-act structure is what you hang your overall framework of your story on, but then when you go into a chapter or you go into a scene of a movie, there's also an inherent three-act structure to that. You have a beginning, middle, mm-hmm. and an end. 
every element of your story, when you break it down to the subatomic storytelling <laughs> level, still has that beginning, middle, and an end. It's how you get into mm-hmm. something, you make it interesting, and then you get out of it. Mm-hmm. And she does that in the books. Amazing. I mean, it's almost like it's just this puzzle that fits perfectly because it's a trilogy. Each book has nine chapters. Mm-hmm. Each chapter has three parts. Mm-hmm. She doesn't deviate from that. Lots of balance. And, Lots of order. And the fact that she tells a very compact story using that structure and doesn't deviate from it, I think, is amazing. Mm-hmm. And it's something that doesn't just happen. You no. sit down no. and you say, this is what I'm going to do when you start writing mm-hmm. page one of the story. And it always makes me wonder what her outlines had to have been like. Because you know, if somebody structures their trilogy like that, that they're an outliner. Mm-hmm. Like, she figured all this yeah. out oh, beforehand. Yeah, very tight. Very tight. I'm going to agree and then add onto something if you don't mind they're almost you talked about like writing the screenplay for this must have been the easiest screenplay ever. oh yeah already laid out in that standard form which makes it a really really accessible and fun to read b you as a writer when you're creating it you always kind of know how much room you have for the next piece that's going in it's very it's very locked in it's almost like programming really it's it's really like coding it just fits in so easily into the formula and some people that's very restrictive they don't like that formula but i think she thrives on it it, it gives her the balance she needs and the story is all about games right it's all about these roles that people play it's all about processes and organization so in this case the balance really fits as it goes along but then when you're adapting it to screenplays you've got your rising action your falling action your your catharsis it's all built in you can just plug it in easily and so it makes it more accessible it makes it more creative but then the big one for why we're all here it makes it more commercial right it's really easy for someone to say this is a property that's pre-cut for us right it's buy off the rack it's ready to make we can just plug it in uh, and honestly it was she I don't know maybe she was hoping for uh, for a TV deal because that's kind of how it feels well and <laughs> I was gonna say that out of all of the wave of young adult mm-hmm. dystopian mm-hmm. fiction that came out around the same time there's plenty of it that I think is either A, a money grab, oh, sure. or B, oh, yeah. Yeah. somebody who really wants to make movies yeah. and sees the book as right. the vehicle to get them into movie making. Right. I don't think also, there was this time when Harry Potter was done. Right when the stories were over and Rowling was tired and Scholastic, the publisher of Harry Potter that had made gazillions of dollars, they were like smog on the gold, right? They're so happy. They were terrified because they didn't know what they could fill it with, right? So, and they were just one of many publishers. And Scholastic's kind of a small, I mean, they're a big academic publisher, but they're a small yeah. niche publisher compared to Little or, or Not for something like that. Everyone was scrambling for the next Harry Potter, the next Harry Potter, the next Juggernaut, the next Big Whale. And that allowed for Twilight and The Hunger Games and and uh, the Maze Runner, and you know, and you're right. Many of them were just they'd read a short story by somebody who had like a, a mermaid. I love King on the Mermaid story, so the mermaid romance. <laughs> they say, oh, can you ma- can you make this into a novel? Sure, can you make it into seven? Can you do seven novels? Like we'll give you the advance. We need seven novels in the next two years, and that's we don't wh- care if they're good. And that's why I I don't think that that was her plan. No, no, I don't think Because so. if that's your plan, then you go to the publisher with the first book, the outline for the next seven, mm-hmm. and ideas for the f- next four after that, and you say, oh yeah, I could write this forever. Right. We we got a 20 years worth of stories to tell. The fact that it's three, she's not going to write anymore. There's no more story to tell after this. It's the end. Mm-hmm. There, there will be more of some kind, eventually, because you can't kill a franchise. You just can't. There's just no way. They'll, they'll always be back. Right? <laughs> 
She might not do it. She might not she do might it, but somebody will. But you know, it just does. Does I'll, I'll ask this: Does she have children? I don't know. I don't think if she has children. There, there will be more. We're talking Hunger Games this week with Dr. Dan Yesmick of the St. Louis Community College. We'll have more with Dan and some questions from the audience when we come back to Geek Universe. This is John Jackson Miller, author of Star Wars and Star Trek novels, and you're listening to Geek Universe with Jim Yelton. Hey, we just want to let you know that this week's show is brought to you by Soylent Green. You know, if you're hungry, there's nothing else that satisfies your craving better than Soylent Green. Remember what Charlton Heston said. Soylent Green is made out of people. That's right, Soylent Green. It's 100% green and 100% people. And coming soon, three new flavors. Soylent Red, Soylent Berry Burst Blue, and Diet Soylent with half the calories and half the people. You gotta tell them, Soylent Green is people! You wanted to be a teacher when you were little. But as you grew up, things changed. Teaching just didn't seem like the best option anymore. So you decided to become something else. But what would your 12-year-old self say? Interesting and innovative things are happening in teaching today, so it's time to put it back on your list. Don't try to convince yourself otherwise. You had it right the first time. Find out how you can make more at teach.org. Make more. Teach. Brought to you by Teach and the Ad Council. Hey gang, if you're sitting in your car or at home or at work or any other place that you listen to Geek Universe every weekend and you're enjoying the show, go support us on Patreon. There's a lot of cool reviews. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details boards that are show specific like our t-shirts and our coffee mugs and we've got the treasure chest of awesome goodness that you can get full of geeky stuff like books and collectibles and games and toys and all sorts of cool stuff that will make you feel like a kid getting a happy meal again except this time it's even better there's better stuff in it you can even have a chance to be a convention correspondent and show producer at some of the higher levels where we're going to send you to comic-con or new york comic-con or c2e2 in chicago there's lots of cool stuff there's some stretch goals that we've got where we will be bringing you some really cool patreon exclusive programs like me re-watching all of the episodes of old shows movies we will have more guests joining us for those a lot of fun stuff that we have on deck for those of you who go to patreon and support the show go to patreon.com forward slash geek universe show check out the reward tiers pick one that's right for you and make sure that we can continue to bring you geek universe each and every week on this very radio station and it's the best way to let us know that you're enjoying the show we first opened about 10 years ago. 
we were, we were small, just a few of us. But it was exciting. I always dreamt of having my own business. It was kind of slow at first, but things started picking up. We had big plans. But in our wildest dreams, we never, never thought we'd have this much work. Yeah, with so many businesses caught off guard by the storm, Reed Waste Management has never been busier. What will become of your business after a disaster? Nearly two-thirds of businesses aren't prepared for an emergency, and 40% of businesses that experience a disaster never recover. Make an emergency plan now, before it's too late. For a free online tool that helps you develop an emergency plan to keep your business up and running should disaster strike, visit ready.gov forward slash business. Brought to you by the Federal Emergency Management Agency, the American Red Cross, and the Ad Council. Unexpected reactions to smart financial decisions brought to you by FeedThePig.org. Well, I finally did it. I improved my credit score. You're kidding, right? Uh, no. How are we supposed to be the bad boys of electrosynth pop if you're out there being responsible? The band is about to be discovered. This is our year. <laughs> yeah, you've been saying that for a while now. You think anyone in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was worried about their credit score? I never really thought that Of we were... course they weren't. Rock stars aren't supposed to think about that kind of stuff. We're supposed to think about how many guitars we've smashed, write aggressively sensitive power ballads, start questionable fashion trends, tragically break up and blame creative differences. All right, all right, just... I thought maybe it was time to take control of my finances, you know? Start using a budget. Get out of debt. Set some goals. A budget? Debt? Set some goals? Listen, I knew that we'd have our creative differences, but I was hoping they'd involve a little more scandal. When it comes to financial stability, don't get left behind. Get tools and tips for saving at feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Now, back to Geek Universe. It may well possess a rudimentary intelligence. Once again, here's your host, Jim Yelton. Welcome back to the show. I'm Jim Yelton, and we're talking Hunger Games this week on Geek Universe. And let's go back to our live show from the St. Louis Science Center with Dr. Dan Yesbeck. It's odd and uncanny that you have this movie with this kind of part for a young actress, and you have Jennifer Lawrence, who two years prior does Winter's Bone, Mm -hmm. gets nominated for an Academy Award, is like the belle of the ball. She, right off of that, is flooded with offers. She can make any movie she wants, and what does she choose? Very intelligently, Mm -hmm. she does the X-Men First Class reboot and this. Mm -hmm. So coming off of Winter's Bone and all of the critical acclaim she got, she hitches her wagon to two huge, potentially huge mm-hmm. Hollywood franchises that she's going to make multiple movies of. Mm-hmm. We can argue about how good she is in the X-Men movies, but she, forgive the pun, kills it as Katniss Everdeen in these movies. I can't imagine anybody else playing that role as good as she does. No, not only do you can't imagine it, I wouldn't want to imagine anybody else playing Katniss. I mean, uh, there, there, there was a little <laughs> bit of fan noise when she took the part, like, she can't be Katniss, blah, blah, blah. Right, I mean, yeah. Her hair's not dark. Well, they can fix that in Hollywood. It's not not that hard. I uh, 100% agree with everything you said. I'm not sure how you feel about Mystique. I, I love her Mystique, so we'll see how that goes. But okay. she's right. she's better than, well, than Rebecca yeah, Romaine. I can right. say that. So are those coat hangers over there. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> but still, the, the the thing I love it, about these films and her in them is Jennifer Lawrence is such an incredible actress. She is everything I like about an actress. She can play the big budget blockbuster stuff. And she does it without looking down on it. 
She she takes the role. She tries to embody the role. She works really hard to create a character. Some people, when they're major actresses or actors, when they take those parts, they just waltz through them and take the money and leave, and they they don't really care. And I mean, she's very honest about being a commercial actress too. So she'll take the X Men role and she makes Mystique into one heck of a heroine. They're basically building that franchise around her now, right? The way it's set up, she's leading the X Men according to the last film. And for her to play Katniss, I think it was a real. It was fun for her. I also think that Winter's Bones is kind of a warm up for this. Yeah, because. And the first 10 minutes of Winter's Bone and the first 10 minutes of The Hunger Games is basically the same movie. Right. Uh, she's walking around in the woods looking sad, trying to kill food. So it's pretty much the same thing. It, one's in Missouri and one's in a very bad place. Uh, but they're basically the same. And uh, you, you can see her growing into this role and knowing that she's going to be the iconic face of this role for a long, long time. And I think she's really, first of all, she's very fortunate, like you said. She gets a lot of good buzz at the right time. She grabs this franchise. She becomes the center of it. But I think she really loves the story and loves what it represents too and I think the thing she loves the most about it is it's very complicated like you said there's no straight heroes or heroines everyone is compromised everyone seems to have agendas there's lots of balance she loves that kind of part because when she plays the art parts that she plays in you know Silver Linings Playbook and uh, American Hustle and stuff like that she really gets into these these loser kind of characters that are so intricate they're not that far from Katniss they're really not the other thing about casting these movies is it's at a time in Hollywood where you greenlight the first one, you know you're making the other two. Yes, yes. At the time of the first one, they didn't know that they were going to split Mockingjay into two movies because Peter Jackson hadn't right. done thank, that. Thank, thank you, Hobbit. Thank you very much. Or, right. Or the Rings, yeah. Once Peter Jackson did that, and the light bulb went off and people went, wait, oh, we can squeeze another movie out of this. Right. Harry, Harry Potter does it, do to be fair. so That's true. So they know going in that they are going to cast people and sign them to a multi-picture deal right off the bat. I mean, it's it's becoming commonplace with every big franchise now. You like mm-hmm. you sign for six movies before you make the first one. So all of these people that are in these movies know going in that mm-hmm. it's not just hey I'm going to go shoot for three months and I'm going to be done and mm-hmm. it'll be this another movie I make commitment. like this yeah. is the next three years four years of my life and and, and and if they're kids movies your your life you grow up playing these parts so that's and, that's a fascinating new thing that we haven't had before and the the fact that they got the quality of a cast that mm-hmm. they got I mean it amazed me when I went back to watch the movies to prepare for tonight how great the casts are for these movies yeah. I mean the quality of the movies aside which right. you know some people it's not their bag whatever the casting for these movies is great oh i know yeah no no arguments in fact i my secret fantasy is to have a Hamish solo film i'd watch that wouldn't you i'd watch two hours of him going around being grumpy and i'm pretty Glad. sure these these movies are responsible for the woody harrelson renaissance that's, <laughs> that's going on because Woody was not doing a whole heck of a <laughs> That's lot. True. That's true. And he's one of those people. It's, it's like mm-hmm. when you hear that Donald Sutherland was going to play yeah. oh. Snow. Like, that's oh. just genius right. level casting. Like, it's. Yes. Yeah. And that I, Because you know you're going to get all of the nuance and it's not going to be an over the top performance. Yeah. And when I heard Woody Harrelson was going to play Hamish Abernathy, I'm like, that. Who figured that one out? Because he could do that in his sleep and probably was sleeping half the time that they were shooting. Right. Well, or 
other things. Other yeah. things, yeah. Um, the other, uh, you mentioned Donald Sutherland. I, I don't know if you noticed this, but you've all seen the movies, right? Everyone's seen them? All right, most of them. Sometimes you can just really tell in a film, if you've spent enough time around film, when an actor is just savoring every single moment of their experience. You can always tell when they're not having fun, too. Right? Oh, yeah. So it's just yeah. see Tobey Maguire in everything. But um, <laughs> when you see Donald Sutherland playing President Snow, he is loving every iota of every second, every smirk, every little white hair, every time he looks at that glass or looks out at somebody, these little glances, he is loving that part. He's loving that acting. And Donald Sutherland is an old-fashioned radical from way back when. He he was making anti-establishmentarian crazy satires throughout the 60s and 70s. I mean, he he loves sticking it to the system. So Snow is exactly the kind of villain he knows how to play. And he is just loving. That's why the camera even lingers on him sometimes. Like, what is this, his movie? You know, we're yeah. going on for a while. The conversation that he has at the beginning of the second film with, with Jennifer Lawrence, when they're both trying to out-method act each other in, the, in, in a wonderful way. I mean, usually when yeah. you're out-method acting, you just want to... You want it to go away. But they're both so direct in that scene when he says, let's not play games. He says, let's not. That's one of my favorite conversations in the whole franchise. And it's really not much of a scene, but they make it into a scene because they're both loving these parts and they're loving the tension and the synergy between them. It's great, great acting on both sides. The other great casting, I mean, uh, Jennifer Lawrence is fantastic. There's no question. The other great casting that I love is uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman for Plutarch. For Plutarch, yeah. It's just, you can tell, again, just someone who's so comfortable in that part. I just, that's, that's, my cosplay tonight, by the way, of Mark Hoffman. Floggings and executions. Floggings. It's just just a wonderful, wonderful role. I miss him. Yeah, and that was something I wanted to bring up because him not being a part of part two is tough. Is tough <laughs> because when they bring him up, it's kind of awkward because you know they're bringing him up because the character was supposed to be in this scene and he's not because they decided that they didn't want to recast it. And it's weird. Like, I, I always go back to the very end of the movie when Hamish gives Katniss the letter from mm-hmm. Plutarch. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that was that was a Plutarch scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, that was supposed to be Plutarch's last scene in the movie, and it's not, and it sucks that we didn't get that. No, yeah, I'm, and I completely agree with you if it's true. But even some of the more minor characters, like, I just love Effie in these movies. Oh. Yes. And yes, I yes. did not like Effie in the books at all. Well, and you really hate her at the start of the movies, too. Oh, yeah. Just like in the books. Then all of a sudden, that character starts to grow and change and really surprise you. And they do become this little twisted, forced-up family of confusion, right? Even Hamish and, and Effie have their moments together, which yeah. are quite beautiful. That's one of the special things about the films. I completely agree. And the other one that blows my mind, I never thought I would say this. In my life, I like Lenny Kravitz. Yep. <laughs> Who knew? Who? I mean, those little moments from the very beginning, incredible depth. Really, really. I mean, he's he's a beautiful, tragic character and so interesting. Hey, this is Paul Shear from The League, and you are listening to Geek Universe. Never stop listening. You wanted to be a teacher when you were little, but as you grew up, things changed. Teaching just didn't seem like the best option anymore, so you decided to become something else. But what would your 12-year-old self say? Interesting and innovative things are happening in teaching today, so it's time to put it back on your list. Don't try to convince yourself otherwise. You had it right the first time. Find out how you can make more at teach.org. Make more. Teach. 
Brought to you by Teach and the Ad Council. Hey gang, if you're sitting in your car or at home or at work or any other place that you listen to Geek Universe every weekend and you're enjoying the show, go support us on Patreon. There's a lot of cool rewards that are show-specific like our t-shirts and our coffee mugs and we've got the treasure chest of awesome goodness that you can get full of geeky stuff like books and collectibles and games and toys and all sorts of cool stuff that will make you feel like a kid getting a happy meal again except this time it's even better there's better stuff in it you can even have a chance to be a convention correspondent and show producer at some of the higher levels where we're going to send you to comic-con or new york comic-con or c2e2 in chicago there's lots of cool stuff there's some stretch goals that we've got where we will be bringing you some really cool patreon exclusive programs like me re-watching all of the episodes of old shows movies we will have more guests joining us for those a lot of fun stuff that we have on deck for those of you who go to patreon and support the show go to patreon.com forward slash geek universe show check out the reward tiers pick one that's right for you and make sure that we can continue to bring you geek universe each and every week on this very radio station and it's the best way to let us know that you're enjoying the show we first opened about 10 years ago. We were, we were small, just a few of us, but it was exciting. I always dreamt of having my own business. It was kind of slow at first, but things started picking up. We had big plans, but in our wildest dreams, we never, never thought we'd have this much work. Yeah, with so many businesses caught off guard by the storm, Reed Waste Management has never been busier. What will become of your business after a disaster? Nearly two-thirds of businesses aren't prepared for an emergency, and 40% of businesses that experience a disaster never recover. Make an emergency plan now, before it's too late. For a free online tool that helps you develop an emergency plan to keep your business up and running should disaster strike, visit ready.gov forward slash business. Brought to you by the Federal Emergency Management Agency, the American Red Cross, and the Ad Council. Unexpected reactions to smart financial decisions brought to you by FeedThePig.org. Well, I finally did it. I improved my credit score. You're kidding, right? Uh, no. How are we supposed to be the bad boys of electrosynth pop if you're out there being responsible? The band is about to be discovered. This is our year. <laughs> yeah, you've been saying that for a while now. You think anyone in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was worried about their credit score? I never really thought that Of we were... course they weren't. Rock stars aren't supposed to think about that kind of stuff. We're supposed to think about how many guitars we've smashed, write aggressively sensitive power ballads, start questionable fashion trends, tragically break up and blame creative differences. All right, all right, just... I thought maybe it was time to take control of my finances, you know? Start using a budget. Get out of debt. Set some goals. A budget? Debt? Set some goals? Listen, I knew that we'd have our creative differences, but I was hoping they'd involve a little more scandal. When it comes to financial stability, don't get left behind. Get tools and tips for saving at feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. You're listening to Geek Universe. Once again, here's Jim Yelton. Welcome back to the show. We're going to wrap things up real quick with Dr. Dan Yesbeck and our Hunger Games discussion. And we actually take a question from the audience where somebody takes me to the woodshed for calling the Hunger Games girly in my initial assessment of the first book. 
it does exactly what a trilogy should do. It takes a very basic idea in the first one mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. there are these games. The kids have to go compete in the games. They have to fight each other and kill each other mm-hmm. and survive. And the sequel comes with out of left field. Mm-hmm. Hey, guess what? There's another one. Mm-hmm. Bigger, bigger. It's bigger. Bi- bigger, We're, badder game. Yeah. Guess what? There. It's not just the Hunger Games. And the quarter quell is like the, mm-hmm. the best idea I've ever heard in a sequel. <laughs> I mean, it, it might be better than Empire Strikes Back. Sure, it's sure. that good that. that not only do they, there's, okay, well, obviously, if you're going to do a sequel, there's going to be another Hunger Games. Mm-hmm. Well, but how are you getting these same characters mm-hmm. into it? The government's going to manipulate it. Every quarter quell's different. So there's different rules. They want this one to be totally set up to take mm-hmm. Katniss out. So how do you do that? Well, we're going to get the best winners of every Hunger Games and put them all into one. This is like the Grand Championship Battle Royal of Hunger Games. And you go into it thinking, well, the last one wasn't a walk in the park. <laughs> and she barely survived. How is she going to get out of this one? Because especially like the training scenes and as they're introducing mm-hmm. the other victors, you're like, man, this is a problem because some of these people are like professional right. Hunger Games players. Homicide all-stars. Yeah, exactly. You bring it up. And of course, sequels always have to be bigger and badder than before. But the other thing, I just realized this now when you're mentioning it, is what she's doing in the second book, in the second movie, is is an old TV trick, right? When you have a, a show that's been going for a while that people love, and it's just starting to lose some of its some of its juju, some of its status, you bring back the all-stars from before. Yep. So that makes perfect sense. It's just like, now it's Jeopardy all-stars, or now it's Top Chef all-stars. Well, let's bring them back. And well, it's like you love them before, you gotta love them again now. So And then in Mockingjay, the thing that I love is I went into Mockingjay thinking to myself, well, how does she one-up what just happened? The quarter quell, greatest sequel idea ever. How do you do that better? We're going to make the Hunger Games in the real world mm-hmm. because she's clearly a part of the rebellion. Mm-hmm. She's going out and mm-hmm. we're going to send her out on these missions. We're using her for propaganda purposes. But as far as just a setup device, the fact that the government and Snow goes to the smartest, most ingenious games makers mm-hmm. and says, I need traps so that when they come to get me, they're going to have to deal with right. all this stuff. Right. And so they're not in an arena. It's the real world. All this stuff is happening and there's real world consequences. Real people are dying mm-hmm. more than just people that were chosen to participate in the games. And I love that escalation from book to book and movie to movie where you think that she's come up with like the best twist mm-hmm. to to make it bigger. Mm-hmm. And then the next one, it's bigger than that. And I just, I love that about the story. Yeah, there are, the idea of the games is so uh, that the games have to get more and more intense until they become real, right? It's fascinating in all kinds of ways. The first ones are just terrifying because it's all these kids killing each other, right? And and the, the she gets the advice, right? Don't don't go for all the stuff. It's a bloodbath. Run, and that helps her out. And then we see that even even the game, you know, you play a game. Everyone always wants to play fair, right? Well, the game is fixed from the beginning. It depends on how much the corporate sponsors love you. So there's all kinds of cheating going on backstage and around stage. And if you're shot, don't worry. If the sponsors love you, they'll send a doctor or whatever it's going to be. So there's lots of there's lots of it's it's almost like baseball. There's lots of ways to cheat if you know how. <laughs> if you know how, yeah. Um, and then the second one, the game is bigger and badder. But it also you know, the games are. It's hard to write game stories because the game rules have to have to dictate how the story works. So they figure out that it's even more strict than before because now it's a clock, right? Mm-hmm. And they figure that out, and and then they go, "Oh, it's, you're a genius! You're a genius!" It looks like a big Trivial Pursuit piece to me. But it, yeah, I thought same, that too. Yeah, same kind of idea, which is uh, you know, I always suck at Trivial Pursuit, so that might be why. <laughs> <laughs> it looks painful, but but then the third one, I mean, 
if 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 you start with rules and then you got to intensify the rules, but then mm. if you keep going with that story, eventually the rules have to break down, and that's when the game becomes reality and the traps become. I mean, they were always real, but now they're in the real world. So it follows how great stories are told, right? First, we establish the world, then we complicate the world, and then we then we deconstruct the world and break it down. All right, last one. You get to close the show. <laughs> Come on up, get a little closer. Make it good. What's your name? Erica. Erica. Mm-hmm. I was just wondering. I kept going back to what you had referred to the series and just why lit in general you kept calling it a girly thing and i'm just wondering what inherently genderizes a medium and like does that make something bad like you said it in a very kind of negative way and so i'm just wondering great question is oh, the hunger games yeah. a girly question. thing and is that a bad thing or a good thing no well and i don't think it is but i th- i think it was coming during that wave of it was coming off of the big wave of twilight and it was built and marketed mostly for ya female readers that doesn't mean that men can enjoy it it doesn't mean there's a problem with it there's a lot of really really nasty cliched sexist stuff that's marketed to readers male and female right and yet you know the great thing about it about 21st century discussions like this is that we can all sit here in this room at the science center and talk about the fact that men can love the hunger games and my little pony there are men in this room who watch my yep. little pony i know it you don't have to out yourself but this is also such a this is i mean this is a feminist text there's no question about it right she is the center of this complex world where men more or less dominate just about everything terrible terrible men uh and she's there to kind of clean up the mess as best she can and then realize the mess is ultimately not not fixable um I, I, girly isn't the word i would use well and and Girl i think power sure yeah and i think to get back to my initial thoughts about it when it came out just to clarify twilight screwed a lot of people up as far as not not the books themselves but the portrayal of characters and relationships and trying to not really care about presenting anywhere close to a realistic portrayal of anything Mm -hmm. and the fact that that was such a huge monumental sensation boggles my mind because i would like to think that the people that read those books and love those books are more intelligent and would demand more of their entertainment so when these came out i thought here's another one of those where i'm going to get a girl in a love triangle where it's not portrayed realistically where she makes really stupid choices and ends up with (laughs) the last person i would want my daughter to end up with god was i wrong and I'm, i'm glad i was wrong because like you said i mean it part, and part and again not to make it to see before you start reading it so. right and I mean, all the harry potter books have a male name harry potter right but they should really be called excuse me harry step out of the way while i fix this my name is hermione right <laughs> that's and that as much as i love hermione right. I don't necessarily know that Hermione is the most realistic portrayal of a good feminine heroic character. Mm-hmm. Katniss definitely is because she's morally ambiguous at times. She's compromised a lot. She has to make choices she doesn't want to make for the good of others. She definitely puts herself before everybody else in the book. Mm-hmm. 99.9% of the time. Yeah, she you never know, she, stops striving to do the right thing. She she, she is a hero, yeah. capital H, where other book series that have female leads, I think, drop the ball. And I think those books pander to a certain part of the audience 
that wants sparkly vampires. <laughs> poor Twilight. No, yeah, not don't well, say no, poor no, Twilight. No. She did it to herself. I, I, I know. Have I, I? I've told us if you've seen this before. You know, I have the great Twilight story. Is I was teaching a class and I had a vampire unit. I thought, well, Twilight's big. Did we, did we answer your question? I hope, ma'am. Okay, great. Thank you. Um, and I thought, well, it's popular. I'll throw in one book. We did like five books. We'll see how it goes. And I had an honor student in my office the next day because I mentioned it. She was furious. She says, there's no way that you are allowed to put this book in a classroom. And I said, why? Is it pornography? And she says, no. She says, and she pulled out a copy. She worked in a bookstore. And she said, listen to this sentence. My traitorous tears betrayed me. She says, you can't put that in a classroom. <laughs> I completely agreed with her. I did not put it in the classroom. You've been listening to another exciting episode of Geek Universe with Jimmy Elton. Find out more about every corner of the Geek Universe, including previous episodes, dates for our live appearances, and theme merchandise, including Trivia Thunderdome t-shirts and Jim's book, The Swindlers of Doom, at geekuniverseshow.com. You can also find Geek Universe with Jim Yelton at facebook.com slash 30 minutes of geek or on Twitter using the Twitter handle at 30 minutes of geek. Geek Universe with Jim Yelton is a production of Midnight Entertainment LLC. This episode is copyright 2017 or rights reserved.
Why don't people understand my intentions? AM, 106.5 FM, and now 102.3 FM. NBC News Radio, I'm Matt Mattins. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 